week on Plot Points Podcast, we get out and post our Oscar ballads to three billboards. We discuss our darkest hours and call everyone by their name. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. This is Plot Points Podcast. Hi, this is Mark with Plot Points Podcast. It is the uh, Academy Awards uh, show, the Eve um, on March 4th. Uh, this uh, episode will be dropping uh, the Friday before the Sunday for those awards. So uh, we're going to kind of go off our mission statement a little bit and do mostly uh, Academy Awards stuff, which is a lot of fun. We have our Academy Awards diva here. That's, Expert. That's <laughs> that's Mary Claire Van Kempen. Ready to go. <laughs> she she has been ready to go since the day after the last Academy Awards. Oh, yeah. I couldn't sleep last night. I had two Diet Cokes this morning, and I honked at a bunch of people on the way over here. So I have a lot of like anxious anxiety and nervousness because I'm really excited to talk about the Academy Awards. And yeah, I, I've been waiting for 364 days. Yeah. <laughs> so for the listener at home, pray for us. <laughs> I can't calm down. <laughs> and uh, that uh, that uh, the person, that other voice was uh, Toby Walwork who is uh, prepared with some amazing uh, trivia facts, probably. I don't know. What the hell did you... What did you prepare? Uh, well, now I feel a little bit... Uh, <laughs> He's got in, nothing. In now you're... <laughs> I, I'll just make up something fantastic and yeah. unprovable. The Academy Awards have been going on for 150 years. The Oscar uh, is made of chocolate. Guys, guys, no. <laughs> we can't... You're ruining it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, we will, we will ruin it for everybody, no doubt. Um so I before we get started, I'm going to turn the podcast basically over to Mary Claire, like I could stop her anyway. Um, so, but I want to mention a couple things uh, that we that uh, that OC Screenwriters has been doing. Um, we instituted a meetup. Uh, we've had a meetup for a long time, but we've never really been in the spirit of that meetup. So, what we're going to try to do is the third Wednesday of every month in Costa Mesa at the C3 Vape and Coffee coffee Shop uh, above, well, it used to be called Condom Revolution, but now it's called ConRev, according to my informants. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, the Yellow Pages called you specifically? Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> no, actually, it was the guy who owns the coffee shop. He said, they call it ConRev now. Anyway, it's in Costa Mesa. It's in Costa Mesa, California. It's right above Conrev. Uh, there's plenty of parking. We have a guest speaker. Na- uh, his name is Warren Lewis. He did um, Black Rain and 13th Warrior and a movie called Killbox, which looks really interesting. He's also a professor at Cal State Fullerton, I think. And so he'll be there to talk about being a professional screenwriter and answering some questions. And this is free. It's just for people who want to come and network. And this is something we've always really wanted to do, but never been able to because of venue. So uh, Rich D'Alessio, uh, who is one of my students and also owns um, the coffee shop, has offered to open it up once a month for us and um, do these networking events. Um, on tw- that's, So that's Wednesday, March 21st. And then the website to find out... Uh, f- Further events is uh, ocfilmandtv.com. 
and we're booking uh, like three months in advance, so you can get an idea who's coming up. Who's coming up next is uh, James Herson, who's an entertainment attorney and a talent agent, and then after after that is an actress, a young actress named Tiana Lee, who's one of my students, but also is a very accomplished actress, and her mom, uh, An Lee, I think it's On, it's spelled A-N. Um, anyway, they're, they'll be there in um, May. So we haven't booked June yet, but we have a lot of people we want to bring in and, and talk to everybody. So go to ocfilmandtv.com and look for that. And then on March 24th, which is a Saturday, uh, we're at the Claim Jumper in Fountain Valley, and Bob Engels, who was one of the original writers of um, Twin Peaks, is going to be there. Uh, along with the special guest Josh, Josh, Josh Eisenstadt, who's a director who's done a couple independent films, and, and he's also a Twin Peaks expert. So the 21st is Warren Lewis in Costa Mesa, and the 24th is Bob, Bob Engels at Claim Jumper. And you can find the information for that at ocscreenwriters.com. Um, actually, you can go there and see both um, both the events. I'll put it up uh, on the website this week. But we'd love to see you there. The, um, the Claim Jumper event is $25 in advance. And you get a, a you get a sandwich lunch. So um, anyway, uh, at that okay. So at this point, what I'd like to do is um, is turn this over to Mary Claire and uh, let her roar um, <laughs> with her Academy Award presentation. Take it away. Awesome. Well, I think we'll start first just before uh, you know we dive into the full Academy Awards history, a little bit about the voting system. I I have my own trivia questions that I plan on asking, and then we will go through and do our picks for uh for a few of the awards. But before we kind of dive in, what are you guys watching this week, Toby? This week, uh, I finished Altered Carbon. It was uh it was a satisfactory ending. It's a nice bit of business. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm interested if they're going to try to, there's more books by that author, so I'm wondering if they're going to bring that back. I hope it did well enough that it should because it was a nice bit of sci-fi. I finally started watching Breaking Bad. I'm like four episodes into it. And, what do you uh, think? And it takes, <laughs> oh yeah, well here's the thing, like if you've watched that show, uh, you can watch it sort of the way I'm going through it now, which is in, in a very, uh, I mean I'm enjoying it, but I'm also watching it in a very almost academic uh, mm -hmm. process largely because my roommate insists on pausing it every few minutes and because he knows the show is over he's like so do you think that guy will be dead <laughs> what about that guy do you think that guy will be dead he's not gonna be and then it's things like <laughs> why why do you think why do you think that guy's wearing that shirt because because it's important. It, it's it is important. a show yeah it is a show that you can tell was made very deliberately mm -hmm. and very meticulously and so that sometimes can be um too much signal to the noise so while you're watching it, you're like, this seems important. And I and basically it's like, why does he drive a Pontiac Aztec? And I said, because he's a loser. Because he's a loser. Yeah, the, the Aztec doesn't come in for anything. <laughs> I think he does get a nice no, I did actually, I remember reading an article that the guys that developed the Aztec did actually send them like a, a, a thank you note because it was one of those sort of the forgotten cars. Yeah. And they were like, thanks for showing it off. Not necessarily in the best light, but, but yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> It's a great show. Really enjoying it. Um, there've been a couple of other things I did see. Uh, I did see Black Panther. Nice. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot there to unpack, uh, or there isn't. Like, just go watch it and have a great time. Mm -hmm. Watch some exciting car chase stuff. Uh, if you go see it because you think it, uh, it really does a, a a lot to 
fix race relations, then you didn't get the cleverest part of it, which is, in my opinion, it's much more about uh, wealth disparity than actual uh, racial disparity. Mm. Uh, the people of Wakanda are very wealthy and very insular and have turned their back on their fellow man and uh, and they learn to pay the price. It's got one of the most compelling Marvel bad guys ever, uh, Michael B. B. Jordan. Because, uh-huh. yeah, because... I'm old enough to remember the other Michael Jordan. Michael B. Jordan is fantastic in it, uh, although I did enjoy the lady in front of me that thought he was the guy that was married to Mariah Carey. <laughs> and of okay. course, that is uh, <laughs> that is the other one, ma'am, the other one. Uh, but yeah, he's fantastic in it. Uh, there, it, It's not uh, – it, it has a lot more moral ambiguity than you expect from a Marvel movie and uh, strongly recommend it. Yeah, I'm interested to see that because I have no insight into it. I've never, I don't know anything about Black Panda. Pa- Black Panther. Black or- Panda. <laughs> that, now we got something. Much more or kung Wakanda. fu in that movie. Uh, and so I'm excited to go into it not knowing what happens um, or anything about the characters. So, Well, Black Panther in the comic books, I don't know what they're doing with him lately, but he's always been kind of a, a forgotten character. He was, I think, one of the first black um, superheroes. Um, but... Uh, I mean, he's never been, I think, a big uh, badge for them. But this movie is really kicking some ass. I I know that it's outperforming the Avengers, but of course, the Avengers was the first bigger Marvel. I mean, except for Iron Man, but it was. Those comparisons are a little bit false because now Marvel is a brand, and so Mm -hmm. there are people that are fans of that brand. But it's it's a it's a really good film, and it doesn't. um, I I mean, again, like we talked about last time, I'm a middle aged white guy, so. What have I got to what? say about that thing? But it's not about that. Um, and it's, it's very entertaining. And the humor in it is a lot, uh, it's probably some of the best humor that doesn't pull you out of it and mm-hmm. that you're going to get from a Marvel film for sure. Yeah, it looks good. And I saw Justice League, uh, because that came out on, uh, iTunes. And, uh, that's a movie also. <laughs> cool I like, ju- I like Justice League, but mostly because Wonder Woman was in it, so. Yeah, I'm, um, I watched, I started watching the Frankenstein Chronicles, which I'm not deeply, so deeply into it that I know much about it, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's a period piece. <clears throat> it's obviously, uh, has something to do with Frankenstein. Um, hence the title. And then, um, I watched, I'm starting really, really enjoying Madam Secretary, which I didn't think I was going to enjoy, except for their, their, uh, their inability to, to and anything in a downer. They they always have to resolve the situation. It's kind of like the West Wing a little bit in that regard. But I'm I'm amazed at how much I'm enjoying it. It's really truly and I don't believe there's a liberal or conservative agenda behind it, although being a liberal, I tend to be a little bit uh colorblind toward that. Um I also watched a really cool little movie that I think we're going to talk about maybe down the road cuz I want to parse it a little bit more, but a futile and stupid gesture about um the guy who started national, one of the guys who started National Lampoon, Doug Kenny, it's really narratively just incredibly diverse. I, I was really always amused. I was amused by the whole movie, but it went on and on and on and on, uh, challenging me and changing my mind about. Uh, I don't think you can do too many movies like this, but certainly this was this was a good one. So. And I am still cruising through the Best Picture nominees for this year's Academy Awards. I have one or two more to go, uh, but I did knock out a bunch this weekend. I went and saw The Shape of Water uh, in theaters, which um, 
which I really liked. It is, it was one of the best picture nominees that stayed with me the most after I saw it. Like I still kind of feel it like ruminating around like, uh, in my head and kind of heart as well. Like it's a very mesmerizing sort of story and, uh, it really blends kind of like the whimsy of a fairy tale with sort of a fresher spin on a like classic monster movie. So it's a, it's a really interesting experience and, I'm still not sure what I like walked away, like what what's staying with me if it's the characters' performances or if it's sort of the themes um, or it's just the beauty of the film overall because it's really like a wonder to look at overall. Um, but it was it was really enjoyable and I, I really like Guillermo del Toro and uh, and we'll expand further on sort of this movie as we go through the Best Picture nominees. But um, but I think it was the one to me that felt the most like like a Best Picture sort of winner. But um, but. I did enjoy it. You know, I think what sticks with you with Shape of Water is her character because she plays such a very the, – the, the character isn't that nuanced, but she's very rich. And her world, you want her to succeed. You want her to be happy. You want that, that fairy tale part. Okay. And so for me, that's what stuck with me. Well, let's dive in to the Academy Awards. But I'm pumped. Yeah, we're transitioning. Um so I, I do want to start by giving, you know, sort of a brief overview in terms of the history and kind of what the awards mean just in the larger scope of, like, the world, probably. I mean, for nine decades, the Academy Awards has shaped not just American culture, but really the world's. So with the Academy Awards, the movie industry really defines its own excellence, and that definition is always changing, always expanding. Art evolves, and the industry does, too. The Oscars are really a reflection of the film business and how it sees itself. It's a baseline definition for what's quality for movies like Casablanca to Midnight Cowboy to Titanic to Moonlight. Beginning in 1929, the uh, Academy Awards were launched by a new Hollywood group. It was a 15-minute award ceremony designed to celebrate the best of film in the previous two years. It was held at Hollywood's Roosevelt Hotel. Uh, Tickets were just $5. And when asked how the ceremony came to be, the legendary studio mogul Louis B. Mayer said, I found that the best way to handle filmmakers was to hang medals all over them. If I got them cups and awards, they'd kill themselves to produce what I wanted. <laughs> That's why the Academy Awards was created. And that may be true, but the, the Academy Awards has come a long way since that night with really interest in anticipating or anticipation building to a fever pitch leading up to the Oscar telecast. Hundreds of millions of movie lovers tune in to watch the glamorous ceremony and learn who will receive the highest honors in filmmaking. And the ceremony itself is a true production, complete with show-stopping spectacles, kooky song and dance tributes. I'm looking at Rob Lowe dancing with Snow White. Um, <laughs> but um, to really stunning upsets and surprises heard around the globe, with the most recent example at last year's telecast when La La Land was erroneously announced as the best picture uh, over Moonlight. I still can't believe that happened. Like, I remember sitting there with my my husband and and looking at him. He was kind of like, is this something that happens every year? (laughs) I was like, absolutely not. This has never happened in the entire history. Horrible. I can't can't even, like, thinking back to that again, it's just so... So horrific, um, but uh, which I'm sure they'll make five thousand jokes about this in mm. this upcoming award show. But so be prepared, same host Jimmy Kimmel. Um, but this year, the the Academy's 90th year uh, has been one of the most exciting and competitive upcoming Oscar nights in years. With the discussion around the Times Up movement and how we define leadership and protect constitutional freedoms during the Trump era. Academy of voters, voters really find themselves faced with making decisions that reflect the startling changes happening in the world we live in. So what does that mean? What does the Academy want to say this year? And really, what does that mean for film moving forward? 
on March 4th, so exactly a week from today, we'll celebrate a new crop of Academy winners um, on one of the biggest stages in the entire world. And more than anything, we'll, we'll celebrate our shared love of film and, and really a unique moment in history and time. So, um, so it's exciting. And I do want to give a few Oscar quick best facts um, uh, that, that just for, for our viewers, if you've never seen the Academy Awards, I don't understand you, but, um, but, <laughs> uh, but I do want to, I'll help you out a little bit. Um, so the Oscar statuette weighs about six, uh, and a half pounds and it's 13.5 inches tall. Um, on March 19th, 1953, the Academy Awards ceremony was telecast for the first time across the U.S. and Canada. 13 years later, 1966, the Academy Awards were first broadcast in color for the first time. And, uh, First color film to win Best Picture, that was Gone with the Wind. It won over a lot of good other movies, but obviously a very great picture itself. But uh, that was the first. Um, I mentioned Jimmy Kimmel. He's hosting this week the host with the most, the person who's hosted the most times, Bob Hope. Um, 19 ceremonies overall. Wow. Yeah. Um, until 1989, the winners were declared with the phrase, and the winner is, in 1989, that phrase was, uh, or excuse me, the next year, um, that phrase was replaced with, and the Oscar goes to his, like, more gravitas, I feel like. But, um, well, it's also, it's also, they're not saying you're a loser. Right. <laughs> well, wait, is, isn't it's that exactly too. what's wrong with this? Everybody gets a trophy no. society we no, live no, in these days. only winners here at the Academy. <laughs> yeah, if you're Awards. nominated, you're, you're a huge winner. <laughs> um, Let's see, last fact. So the Oscars, when you're presented with your award, you must sign an agreement stating that if you want to sell your statue, you must first offer it to the Academy for a dollar. If they refuse, if you refuse it, you cannot keep your trophy as well. So only a few people have refused ever their Oscar, like Marlon Brando being one of them. George C. Scott, I think, refused his for Patton, too. They don't get to keep it, um, which kind of makes sense, I feel like. But... um, well, though you would think maybe like, okay, we'll just mail it to them or something, but no, they, you, you can't keep your trophy. So if you don't pick up your trophy or you don't make arrangements, you don't get it? They don't. If you, di- if you refuse it, if you yeah. say, I don't want this award. Well, I remember when uh, Trumbo, the movie Trumbo uh-huh. came out, he won an Academy Award, but he couldn't pick it up. So... They mailed his. Oh, they did? Yeah. They will make Exactly. They sent yeah. someone to accept it in his absence, exactly. but it was the elephant in the room was we, none of us can admit because he won it under a different name. Right. right. Yeah. Pseudonym, yeah. 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 So that rule has been in effect since 1950, which means that some of the older statues do sometimes appear on the open market. So Steven Spielberg has bought a few of them himself. Oh. He bought Betty Davis's Oscar um, and donated it back to the Academy. Michael Jackson bought David Selznick's award in 1999. Kind of wonder where that is right now. Um, and then Steven, he also, Steven Spielberg also bought, uh, bought Clark Gable's Best Actor, Actor Oscar for It Happened One Night. Oh, what um, a wonderful film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, Spielberg bought both of Bette Davis's oh, really? Oscars. Yeah, they were both sold. Ironically, they were. She got them like two years apart, but one went for much more than the other. You know, <laughs> I like, what like at some point, someone for. decided that's a much better film, so it's worth more <laughs> that's money. True. Um, let's see, and then the award. Who has the record for most uh, winning the most Oscars? Walt Disney. He walked off the stage twenty six times <laughs> with the golden statue, um, and he was nominated sixty four times altogether. Oh, gosh. Um, Fairly impressive. Um, And then also want to talk a little bit about how Oscar voting works, specifically for Best Picture, since that did change in 2009. Um, So when the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences began allowing more than five films to be nominated for Best Picture, it changed the way that votes were counted. It was really a transformative decision for the Academy, meant to really inject more blockbusters into the Oscar mix and generate more excitement around the telecast as well. So after... 
uh, 2008's The Dark Knight failed to get a nomination, there were concerns that the Academy had been, you know, were maybe too esoteric in their taste, and so there were hopes that if, you know, some superhero films and animated hits were recognized that the Oscar telecast would uh, see more ratings games, but also we would see uh, more maybe viable films inject or entered into kind of the race itself. So um, I don't think they do it anymore, but you used to be able to do a write-in. They used to accept write-in You, you did, yeah. Because uh, I'm forgetting this name. This was an Oscar pass that I, fact that I discounted. Um, but oh, somebody did write, uh, yeah, win in a write-in vote, I think, for Best Supporting yeah. Actor a while back. But, um, but yeah, no more write-in votes. And uh, and every other category, you can still, it is still preferential. Or it's, excuse me, it still is, you know, you have to lock in saying, like, this is who wins Best Makeup or this is who wins that. But for the Oscar vo- voting for Best Picture, it is preferential. Hmm. Um, so what they call it is, it's like instant runoff voting. And it's designed so that the film per preferred by the widest consensus of Academy voters wins. So voters aren't asked to pick their favorite film when they fill in their ballots. Instead, they're asked to rank the films um, up for Best Picture from most preferred to least preferred. So when Price Waterhouse Coopers counts up those votes, I think it's still them after last year. Um, It's tabulators will first sort the Best Picture ballots into piles based on first choices. And if one film accumulates more than 50% of the vote, that film is the winner. Uh, if not, that the film that has received the lowest number of first-choice votes is removed from contention and all of its ballots are redistributed to their second choices. That process is really repeated until a film has more than 50% of the vote, at which point the winner is declared. And the Academy believes that this best allows the collective judgment of all voting members to be most accurately represented. And the Academy has over 6,000 members. It's gigantic. And so this year, with voters, they will rank nine Best Picture nominees. And so if one garners more than 50% of first place, it will win Best Picture. Uh, It's more likely that no nominees will probably reach that threshold. The film with the fewest first place will be eliminated, and then we'll reproportionate or reapportionate the second place choice. So it will be interesting, especially with there are a lot of different paths I think to for the nominees to win this year in Best Picture, especially with that type of voting. But so I do have a few prepared trivia questions. Uh, This is my favorite category when it comes up at any trivia contest that I've ever been in. It is uh, it's not as frequent. As a category, but uh, but really, uh, that's where I shine best. Uh, I think I'm a real asset on any trivia team for Academy <laughs> Awards. Um, but uh, so we'll see. These are all I want to. Should I we wanted, all just ask for no, jobs? I, I want to note that I knew all the answers to these. Okay. <laughs> so I, no, um, no pressure, Mark. Let's go. <laughs> so, I, have, I have a trivia question too. Okay, that I, we will see. Yeah, that okay, I don't so, know if you'll know. Go ahead. All right, so three. I'm going to make one up right now that you won't get. <laughs> Which I'll be able to note immediately. But, all right, these films, so three films are tied for having won, this is an easy one, the most Oscars. Eleven Oscars in all. So this is, they actually won. Um, so not most nominations. So three films are tied for having won the most Oscars. Name those films. I can name two of those films, Mark. Um, I can probably name one. I, <laughs> I, t- I honestly don't know this stuff very well. I would say Network? No. No, no. <laughs> That's not even one of the three. I don't know. It's I'm not. just trash talking. Uh, I get very competitive at trivia. Okay, let's go. Let's I'm going to say there. Ben-Hur. Okay, there you go. I'm going to say Dances with Wolves. <laughs> no. I'm going to say uh, The Godfather Part no. 2. Come on. I feel uh, like you, need to try, you guys haven't even talked about, I'm sorry, Titanic. <laughs> yeah, but that movie. Uh, it won 11, won Academy, 11 Awards. Academy Awards. Wow. I was leaving that one for Mark to pick up. That was, I honestly <laughs> that was have no one. idea. I would, uh, uh, Rocky. Okay, I'm going to give you a hint for this last one. So it was directed by Peter Jackson. 
Oh, oh Lord the, of the Rings. The, Which one? The Fellowship of the, <laughs> the third one. It's the, the third one. Yeah, the, the one Return with the, of the King. Yeah. The one with the big eagles. Uh, no, the no, third, the, the third one. one. That's the one with the big eagles. <laughs> no, it's not the Return the of the King. Yeah, Doesn't he the, jump on an eagle? Back of the the, the riding all the way home. I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> next How about in line, Lord of the Rings, the one I may have fallen asleep towards the end of. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Okay. That's uh, so those three all have 11. They've won the most in Academy Award history. Uh, followed up by a musical, which has 10. West Side Story. Uh, mm. What is the second film in a franchise? The only second film in a franchise to win Best Picture. Take it, Toby. That would be The Godfather you're, Part you're 2. That Although it should be Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> Oh my god, get over it. <laughs> okay, so, um, Heath Ledger was the second person to win an Academy Award post, I hate this word, uh, posthumously. posthumously. There we go. Postmortem? <laughs> go ahead. Post- uh, there we posthumously. Go. <laughs> it's not, yeah, posthumously. I don't like that word. Okay. okay. Who was the first? That would be Peter Finch for a network. There you go. Good work. Uh, what is the only film based on a TV series to get a Best Picture nomination? Would it be Starsky and Hutch? No. No, of course it would not be Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> the Adams Family uh, TV I series. I think you should know this. Why? So I... it, was, it was a nomination. A nomination didn't win. Based on a TV show. Exactly. I, I have no clue. It was a big clue. year for Harrison Ford that year. Oh, The, the Fugitive. Yeah, The Fugitive. The Fugitive. Oh. Yeah, the Fugitive. Okay, only three films in Academy's history have swept swept the five major categories of picture, actor, actress, director, and original screenplay. So the big five. Three. Three. those films. Uh, uh, the Godfather? Nope. Wow. Mm, wait, I'm, I'm going to go I'm gonna go for the ones I don't think so, but to get them out of the way. Titanic, Dances nope. with Wolves? Nope. Peter Jackson's nope. Sleep to the End movie? <laughs> so... Uh, we mentioned one already. Uh, Steven Spielberg bought the Oscar for Clark Gable's performance. It happened one night. It happened one night. Um, So Claudette Colbert, Clark Gable, original screenplay, best picture and best director. Um, We haven't touched on these other two. One uh, stars uh, the male that has the most Academy Award nominations. Um, Oh, hold on. I was going to make a guess, but I don't know if that throws it off. I was going to say... Uh, Spencer Tracy? No. Uh, it's a, he's still alive. He's still a very fine actor. Um, he, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Mm. So the movie that swept everything. Oh, oh, Terms of Endearment. No, it's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, that doesn't count. <laughs> oh, wow, what a wonderful film that was. Um, and then lastly, we watched this film in class. I mean, countless times. I feel like we talk about it all the time. Uh, it's a horror film or maybe like a thriller with Clarice. Mm, silence silence yeah. Lamps. yeah um that was the most recent one um there's been some opportunities over the past few years but nothing has swept um consistently so um so yeah so any okay you mentioned you guys have some trivia let's hear it oh not from toby i have i have <laughs> one question has any uh actor or actress ever been nominated uh for an academy award who did not appear in a film who did not appear physically well, just the nature of the question, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> now, is this because they, it was an animated film or because it was a no. uh, VR? No, it could have been. It it could have been a, a like Hal from 2001. Yeah, uh, so Except it could have been a voice. No one remembers that guy's name. Well, 
Sorry. Go ahead. I don't know who it is. Who is it? What? Uh, it's no one. No one's ever been nominated. That's for... what I was going to say. I knew I was like, no, that's there's no. But, is that uh, why did this discussion come up in class? No, uh, no, no. It was I was reading uh, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah, for they, her. For her, they wanted to nominate her. Yeah. And Andy Circus too. Um, they wanted for, to nominate right. him a bunch of times. Also, I think we're getting closer to that. That's why I mentioned it because we watched that. Or we were supposed to watch that movie for class. Uh, I'm forgetting the title. The Planet of or, Oh, Planet of the Apes. But that wasn't the new title. Uh, yeah, it was Rise of the Planet of the oh, Apes or something. Okay. We did watch it. We did watch it. Um, we, we had a great discussion on it. But so Andy Serkis claims that he just has digital makeup on and he should get a nomination, mm-hmm. which is f- fundamentally true. And uh, Scarlett Johansson was um, – she did – was nominated for a different – for Golden Globes, I think. Or no, she wasn't nominated for mm-hmm. Golden Globes. But uh, there's no reason why – there's no rule that says a, an actor or actress cannot be nominated for a uh, – for, yeah, just for voice or yeah, mm-hmm. and and I thought, in all the years of great animated movies, you would think that somebody. I think like it's coming. I think uh, it won't come. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I just came up with this on the fly, but it's a hundred percent true and verifiable, and I'll ask it in the kind of the back ended way. Uh, can you name an actor or actress who was nominated for best or best supporting actor or actress for playing a part? That was of a gender other than theirs. Yeah, Kate Blanchett. Uh, I, I mean, even or wait, hold on. I mean, yeah, she. I mean, she, well, how are you? Well, how are you working this question? Because well, I'll, wasn't I'll this give you Eddie, a clue. Eddie Ren. Ed, Eddie Ren. Red. No, she. I don't. I don't believe Eddie was nominated. He was. He was, he was nominated. nominated for that. Well, yeah. but that was also a character who transitioned through in the film. So it's not. So it's not a female playing a male. Uh, how about actually, s- it is a female playing a male. No, well, she played Bob Dylan. Oh, uh, well, no, Boys Don't Cry. No, no, because that was still a female who identified as a male. Even Julie Andrews, didn't she do that as well uh, with her performance in Victor Victoria? No, uh, because in that she played a woman who pretended she, to be a man who pretended to be a woman. Yeah, and she was a woman in a lot of the a lot of the scenes. But Linda Hunt in the Year of Living Dangerously. Oh, yeah, right. Linda Hunt is a woman, but played a character that was a man, but was not a character that identified as a man it was just a man right well uh, Kate Blanchett was nominated for her role in, as Bob Dylan as well in uh I'm forgetting that the, the yeah movie. the I'm still here whatever it's called yeah. I'm here I guess and yeah well like I said I came up with it off the top of my head <laughs> like, I, I, and, I feel like there are a few others as uh, all well. those Linda Hunt fans out there shout out to Linda Hunt fans I feel like uh, what's her thing Glenn, well, Bob Glenn Dylan Close was nominated attention. for uh for a film like that as oh well. yeah she played she played a guy Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, Albert, Albert, or something like that. So. <laughs> yeah, okay. Albert Natter or yeah. North or something. Yeah, like that. something like that. Yeah. Uh, okay, thanks, Toby. We'll cut that. Just yeah, kidding. yeah. <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> I would. That was terrible. <laughs> I have a lot. I'm... We were going to start with the the big five, but we did add uh, adapted screenplay as well, since we think that's definitely worth the discussion. So. Right. Since we are a screenwriting yeah. podcast, we decided. <laughs> yep. Uh, so we'll start with... Wait, let me, uh, let me tell everybody where they can get in touch with us first. Um, so if you want to get in touch with us, you can go if, uh, with Plot Points Podcast. You can go to plotpoints.com or plotpointspodcast.com uh, and leave a message uh, there in the contact form. Or you can call 919-SCRIPTS uh, and talk to us. Uh, it's a Google Voice number with a recorder. By the way, you can also call 816 Writers for the information for the uh, Wednesday, the the alternate, the third Wednesday of the month uh, events, 
and that website is ocfilmandtv.com. And always, as always, ocscreenwriters.com. So we're going to go through and do our picks. And I think we should also note who we think who we think is going to win versus who should win. Oh. So I think we'll start with, yeah. we'll start with the actors. So best actors. Uh, so the nominees are Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name or Chalamet. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread. Daniel Kulia, uh for Get Out. Gary Oldman, Darkest Hour. And Denzel Washington for Roman J. Uh, Israel Esquire. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with Oldman for Best Actor, who I think will win. And, um, but I think Daniel Day Lewis should win. No, maybe I'll reverse those. Daniel, I don't know. I, I, I I'm not good at. I'm really not good at this. <laughs> I just want to go with Oldman for uh, Darkest Hour. I just think it's an important role. He did a great job. Um, so. Yeah, I, I agree. Actually, pick Oldman. Um, he really went for it, and you know he's. Um, certainly the body of work. I, mm-hmm. I hate to, he's not at the end of his career by any stretch of the imagination, but there are times when people kind of realize, oh, we never gave him one. Let's give him one. Right. And uh, Paul, Paul Newman in yeah. The Color of Money. That's right. Because, uh, yeah, that and that's Al actually. Al Pacino for Scent of a Woman. Excellent. I mean, that happens Both all the time. fantastic <laughs> examples of not their best work, right. but right. hey, you know. Um, I will say, I think that uh, Timothy Chalamet is probably. Uh, not a fair choice because he's such an unknown and the Academy rarely gives unknowns because if it's your first real movie, how do we know if you're a good actor or if you're just that person? I think um, that happens more for actors versus actresses. Like they like an ingenue for actresses, yes. but not necessarily for that's an actor. Right. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, so that's why I think, uh, although it was an excellent performance, I think he's, he's not going to get it for that. So the, the, the would win, the, the, uh, the should win, would win, I guess we'll call it. Uh, I think Gary Oldman's going to get it. And uh, I'm legally prohibited from ever voting against Denzel Washington. So <laughs> uh, Denzel, call me bro. I think it's going to win. Uh, if not, you was robbed. Yeah. So I I I do think Timothy Chalamet's performance is, is really excellent. He'll be back here. That's sort of how I think they view a lot of times for Best Actors, First Time Nominees. It's like he'll be back. He will definitely be back. So we have time to – Exactly, yeah. To, yeah. to award him uh, or, or, you know, essentially yeah. Yeah, give him his accolade at some point. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis has his Oscars. He's got two of them. Um, I think I'm going to go with Gary Oldman will win. He's won at every other major award ceremony, including the BAFTAs, the Golden Globes, the Critic Choice Awards, the SAGs. I think this is going to be a really clean sweep for him. Um, I do want to know. I, I I think he is going to win. I thought Franco should have won, and he is not here. That he is missing from this category. I think, um, given you know some of the murmurings alongside of his you know off screen behavior, prohibited him from him being nominated, which I'm not going to say is a shame, but I but I do think he uh, he gave a really really excellent performance this year, and I I I, uh, I do miss him off of this category. But I do think Goldman's going to take it. Um, Okay, moving on. So we'll do Best Actress next. So nominees, Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water, Frances McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Margot Robbie for I, Tanya, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, and then Meryl Streep with like her 30th nomination for The Post. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you think? I think Meryl Streep's all out of uh, counter space, so she's <laughs> she doesn't want it. Uh, I'm going to say Sally Hawkins, Shape of Water, uh, not necessarily based on the strength of the performance. I haven't seen it, but I've only heard good things. But she plays somebody with an affliction, mm-hmm. and uh, people will be so excited to find out that she's not really mute 
in people real life <laughs> and people will go, oh, and it's they just get so surprised. And I think that will carry a lot of uh, weight, uh, not to take away from her performance in any way. Uh, also, I think that uh, Meryl Streep and Margot Robbie have going against them that they're playing real people. And uh, we love nominating real people, but these are real people we don't really know that well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mark? Yeah, I'm going to go with Hawkins. She was... I thought she was the best thing about The Shape of Water. And um, Francis Mc... But it's close because Francis McDormand did a, an incredible job in that role. So well, I think I, it's a coin flip. But to be blunt, a, a Francis McDormand B is everybody else's A. So, you mm-hmm. know, I think she did I think she did a fantastic job in that. But it's the same fantastic job she does in everything. I think that's fair. See, the, well, yeah, but the only reason I disagree is because this I've never seen her play a role like this. I mean, she was wholly and totally unlikable in this role. And I've never seen that kind of performance from her, uh, which is why I thought it was such a great uh, acting job. She mm-hmm. usually plays a fairly... A not, nice uh, anyway I mean she was fantastic I, I, but I just think that no Hawkins Hawkins was great okay so my I, I think I think Frances McDormand will win I think um, she again she's won at every other award ceremony this year and uh, it is a very forceful performance um, and I do want to note though she's I mean she's been on the circuit in terms of kind of working these shows and, and a lot of times she has said there are other people to recognize. Like, she has pointed to Margot Robbie, to Saoirse. Like, there are people who are up and coming that, that the Academy should take note of. And I think that that's kind of commendable in terms of her spirit. But um, but I do think, regardless, she is going to take it. Um, I think uh, for who should win, I do think it should be Sally Hawkins. I think that that performance was – I mean, she's so – I mean, she's really good in the dramatic parts of it. But she's really good in the funny mm. parts of it as well. And, um, like, her – and she doesn't say anything. I mean, like, that would just – you know, it's – I mean, really, that performance is – it is really, uh, re- you know, revolutionary, I think. Um, and so, and really, really beautifully done. And I love Sally Hawkins. Um, I do think they th- probably think they have time with her too. Same with for Margo and, and Searsha. Those are good performances too. I still haven't seen the post, but, um, but Margo is very good in I, Tanya, And so is Searsha. But, um, but I don't think that those roles are, 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 are big enough or meatier enough, um, for, for what Francis had to do and even for what Sally had to do. So, um, but I do think uh, Francis will take it. So marking that down for me. Um, and then original screenplay. Uh, so we discussed this before, but so the big sick, Emily V. Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani. These presenters are going to struggle, I feel like. But Jordan Peele for Get Out, Lady Bird for Greta Gerwig, The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro and Vanessa Taylor, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Martin McDonough. Who you got? I'm going to go with uh, three billboards for best screenplay. Yeah. I think both should and will. Yeah, I I have to say, you know, the screenplays are always hard. Unless you've read them, how can you judge them Mm -hmm. outside of the film? But I have, and uh, it was one of the most uh, engaging things I've read in a long time. Just the way it was was put together, because I read it before I saw it, and uh, I actually liked the screenplay a little more than the movie. I thought that the screenplay was darker um in tone and i just thought it was fantastic uh the big sick has the uh it's kind of got the fan favorite thing because it's very it's based on a a true story it's very close to that story of uh emily and kumail actually met and fell in love folks like that but does that make for a good screenplay Mm -hmm. i mean or does that count against it because people say it's easy because it's true uh for my pick i've read all of these scripts as well and i 
I do think the best is Three Billboards. Uh, by far, I agree with you, Toby. I think the script is better than the movie, which is interesting because Martin McDonough writes and uh, wrote and directed the film. I think there are some director directorial problems uh, with the with the film itself, but um, but I think that that script is really really tight. I so I think that that film should win. I think it is not going to win, though. I think Get Out is going to win. It won at the WGAs uh, for Best Original, and that is, that's usually pretty significant, pretty telling of how uh, the Writers uh, Guild, you know, or that, that sect of the Academy is, is thinking through, um, you know, the, the nominees overall. I think it's very timely. Um, I think that it is um, it has always been a part of the awards discussion. Like that movie came out over a year ago, and it's yeah. still really at the forefront of all discussion surrounding the the best picture and the and the originalness of it. So I do I am going to pick it. I'm going to go with Get Out, um, but I do think uh, Billboard should win. But I don't think it's going to. So adapted, adapted screenplay. So Call Me by Your Name, James Ivory, the Disaster Artist, Scott Newstander, and Michael H. Weber, Logan, Scott Frank, and James Mangold, and Michael Green. Uh, Molly's Game, Aaron Sorkin, and Mudbound by Virgil Williams and uh, D. Reese. Well, uh, honestly, I'm kind of all over the place on which one should win. Uh, I can tell you, unfortunately, which one I think should not win, and I, I think it shouldn't be Logan. And <laughs> that'll definitely lose me my, uh, you know, comic book street cred. Uh, the source material is excellent. The screenplay for Logan is very good, but it's not an excellent screenplay. It's a very good film. There's some fantastic performances. But it's it's not uh, it's not an Oscar worthy screenplay. So no, sorry. Uh, I, so wait, sorry, who are you picking? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, any one of these, they're all the you know. Sure, why not? Honestly, probably Mudbound would be the one I want to see get it, only because for the same reason as Get Out, I don't want there to be the sense that we give an Academy Award to uh, a filmmaker of color or a filmmaker uh, of, of uh, you know anything other than straight white male and think we fixed anything. And um, so if that helps the, the open the door for more filmmakers, I would say that. But based on their own merits, I can't pick one. Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled that Logan is included in this category um, simply because I don't think that um, – I think a movie of this caliber had to come from a good script. But I haven't read it, so I can't say. But I think Call Me By Your Name for me is going to be uh, – I think it's too much of a sentimental favorite because the guy's 89. Yeah. And he has a body of work and um, it's a very, I think it's an important story to tell. And so. That's, I'm going to go with that's going to win and should win as well. Call me by your name. I I read that script and that script is lovely. Like it's, it's a really intimate look into these two people's lives and their relationship and their summer together. I, I like the script better than I like the film probably. Um, like, uh, the director, I think, made some interesting choices, um, versus kind of what was on page. And I think on page, it, the story is much more understandable and relatable. Um, not that it isn't on screen, but I just think that's a more, uh, you're more in it with these characters. And so, um, so I'm going to go with that as well. And then, uh, we'll move on to best director. So nominees Dunkirk, uh, Christopher Nolan. Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, and Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Who will Mm. win? Who should win? I'm going to go with Nolan Dunkirk. It's too big of a, too too impressively big to ignore. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of agree as as the will win. I think that's probably the one that gets it. Uh, The one that should win? Uh, I mean, honestly, it's a toss-up. 
Uh, I think Greta Gerwig did a fantastic job with Lady Bird. I think she elevated the film, her film over her own screenplay. So in that respect, she made it better. But um, I mean, unfortunately, it's just hard to bet against Dunkirk. Mm. So the only reason I'm going to bet against it is because it did not perform well at the BAFTAs, it, which it should have. It's a British film. It's a British story. It's highly acclaimed, but it didn't do well, um, and it hasn't really done well um, across the field with some of these other, like the DGAs, did not win there either. So I think that that's what that's, did win at the DGAs. Do you know Guillermo del Toro won, oh, um, oh. and he won at the BAFTAs as well, which really? is why I am picking him because I do think he's going to win. Um, I think I also I should know I want to know that or point out that it's really exciting that Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig are here. I think those are great movies, and I yep. think that that's exciting uh, that the Academy noted and, and shows them. That's also pretty telling for, I think, Best Picture, although in these recent years they've been separating. It used to be when Best Director was announced, like, that automatically meant that was going to be Best Picture. That's not really the case anymore, especially with really all the Best Pictures, I mean, having the field be expanded. But to my knowledge, when they say these are the Best Directors, these are kind of like the Best Films of the Year, although... Um, Although, again, in recent years, that's been proven kind of incorrect. But I'm going to go with The Shape of Water. I think Guillermo del Toro is sort of the sentimental fave here. He's done a lot of great work within the film industry. And I think that the that movie, the scale and scope of it as well, I mean, the look and feel of it, it's incredible. Like, it really is. It's a very well-directed film. And I think this is some of his best work in years. Um, Christopher Nolan would have been my pick maybe a few months back. But he, again, that film hasn't performed uh, really well during the award circuit. So, um, so I'm going to go with The Shape of Water. Hmm. And then lastly is Best Picture. So we have nine nominees, Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. And this, I'm just going to start by saying like this, the biggest order of the night I think is the hardest to predict. I mean, the Academy loves to make history, and, and also like with an influx of younger and more diverse voters, I think that could tilt the balance for any of these films. Like I think there's a path for at least four of these films to potentially win Best Picture. Um, so I don't know if you guys have thoughts on, on who you think will win, should win. Yeah, actually, basically, kind of to echo that, uh, all of the other categories, you have to be in, in the Academy, but it, within that, that within that discipline. Mm-hmm. But for Best Picture, it's everybody. So it's it's everybody that gets to watch a movie. Six thousand mm-hmm. members. So um, so I think you can, in in a field that includes a couple of crowd pleasers, you can let a crowd pleaser win. Um, I haven't seen all of them. So I, of the ones I've seen, I've got to say uh, three billboards. Uh, but there has been a backlash. It is not a perfect film. Um, uh. I think it might be exciting if Get Out, which is a very mainstream mm-hmm. film, uh, and there are enough possible voters that are saying, hey, this is different. This is not stiff, staged, tried and true. Um, yeah. So based on their own merits, it's hard. Uh, I really did love Three Billboards, but I, I would be excited if Get Out won. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go with the post period. I, I think that was – I haven't seen everything, but I saw a lot of them. And um, I got to say, the post just blew me away. So I'm I'm going to go with that. Period. I I I don't think it's going to win, but I would mm-hmm. love love to see it win. Yeah, I only thought about the post. It's tough. There, it's only nominated for three awards, and one is Meryl Streep, and the the other is maybe like costumes. I have to th- I have to look at the ballot, but it's tough for a Best Picture to win without you know a good amount of other nominees, mm-hmm. but. Um, but it, that's why it's so hard this year. Like there are there are a lot of good films, and it is a wide range in terms of what types of films we're looking at here. My own sense from voters is that they will pick movies 
that they like the best. Um, but when it's this close of a call, I think the movie that feels like a more exciting or of the moment choice might have an advantage. And looking, and I think the Academy really is looking for awards that speak to today, which is why Moonlight won last year over sort of the retro-leaning La La Land and why some of the year's period films that are traditionally you know, considered more Oscar-friendly are having weaker awards runs than one might have guessed. So... I am. I'm going to choose Get Out. I'm going to do it. I've been going back and forth all day between The Shape of Water and Billboards. I still feel like I'll look back and be like, oh, God, I should have picked The Shape of Water. Um, <laughs> but um, but I, I'm going to do it for originality, focus, timeliness, and execution. I think Three Billboards offers a less coherent thematic statement than either Get Out or uh, The Shape of Water. And, um, and like I said earlier, the Get Out has never stopped being a part of the conversation. Um, no writer, or not many, I should say, writer directors have made the kind of debut. This is Jordan Peele's first film. Um, That's true. And uh, it's sharp, witty, and it's really impeccable acting. The momentum has not stopped. It won it with WGAs. I, I do think it uh, it's going to do it. Um, so I do think they're going to split it this year. I think Guillermo's going to win director, and I think Get Out is going to win Best Picture. But like I said, I really think either Billboard's Shape of Water or Get Out. Those are the top three. Those are, I think, when, when people are ranking, like, what they like best this year, those those are the, the three that people are going to be deciding between. So a few will be at one, two, and three. So I feel like it's kind of a toss-up, which is exactly what happened when Spotlight won as well um, because people were debating between The Revenant, that, and um, uh, the film. Oh, shoot, the money film. I can't think of the name of it right now. Oh, uh, uh, The Big Short. The Big yeah. Short, yes. And they, and they kind of won all over the place there. You know, The Big Short took the adapted and Spotlight took uh, acting – or. Uh, the original, and then uh, Inaritu won Best Director. So it kind of like it went a little bit all over the place, and then Spotlight ended up winning because I think, well, yeah, people were the, of the voting system a little bit. So, um, so yeah, so we will see who reigns supreme on Oscar night. Yeah, so did we all pick different films or not? I, don't... I picked Get Out. Toby, you picked Get Out as well. Well, no, you? I picked, oh, you billboards. I picked billboards. Uh, but you said but you'd I, be excited. But, yeah, I will be excited yeah. if Get Out wins. I just, like you said, I think it'll extend the conversation. Uh, and it will it will also show this there's some uh, younger yeah younger voices are doing something in the well, academy. But, but the thing is, is they the nominations themselves show that. I don't know that they would award um, the, the younger filmmakers because, as Mary Claire's point was, this is Jordan Peele's first movie. I think they may say to to themselves, "Well, we can." get him down the road or something like that. I just, like my thought, the acting branch is the largest branch in the Academy and, um, and same with the producer. And so I think, I just think that for billboards, it's like, I think they're going to reward them with the acting performances. Like that's where that's going to hit for that film. Mm. And I, I just think, um, that people are saying like the performances are really great. Not a, you know, maybe sideways in terms of the movie. And so I don't think they're going to reward it for best picture. Cause I think it's with the performances that really stand out in that film. So, but again, I really think it's a toss-up. I think it can go either th- either of those three ways. I'd be happy with, honestly, either of those three of them because I think they're all good films. I would love to see what the actual voting was. You know, mm-hmm. I know they don't release it, but wouldn't that be interesting to see how close yeah. it is with films? Uh, or, I mean, it would hurt the, the films that don't do well, but the yeah. ones that are on the top that are close, I think it would be great. Yeah, but I think what you said earlier is also true. I mean, to be nominated is to have won it's something. It's huge. There's there's nine films out of the 500, uh, even more because some of them from are from foreign countries. Nine films, uh, yeah. you know, considered for best picture. That's quite an achievement. Um, so we just have a few questions um, uh, for Mark or, or for really anybody who feels like they want to add to this. Um, I mean, what does it what does it mean for your career to win an Academy Award for screenwriting? Well, it. 
it means you never have to work again, pretty much. Um, I, I had a friend who was nominated, just nominated, for best short, uh, live action short. Um, this, not this year. It was a, it was a little while ago. And he ended up not only getting a three picture deal from, uh, it was not Fox Searchlight. It was, um, Warner Brothers. It was one of the boutique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he got, he was signed by the top agency in the world, uh, and given this three picture deal and in instantly, just instantly, he had to borrow money to get his wife's dress to go to the awards ceremony. And then after that, he basically was, they opened the, this is just for best short. It had nothing to, I mean, who even remembers best shorts? Mm -hmm. But so just on that basis alone, it is a huge, huge, uh, Liz Hanna, who, um, who we just saw, I just saw at the final draft awards who wrote, uh, the post. Yeah. She's, She's pretty much just gliding down uh, the yellow brick road right now. She is on – I mean, according to her, things are just doors opened, and she was ready to quit, and she ended up uh, – so it's yeah. it's un, it's unscalable for a writer to suddenly go from obsc the obscurity of his or her desk to the, every meeting and every uh, – I mean, you, you, you don't write for the next two months because you just end up going to meetings. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we can agree that, you know – Unfortunately, most of these categories, directors and producers, rarely is their career made because they won an Academy Award. It doesn't hurt, certainly. Right. But actors can, uh, uh, writers can really benefit from the attention because uh, it's one of the few times writers get the attention. And it's so, there's so many lousy writers. Um, if you find somebody that can talk to an audience and and impress an Academy, yeah. they're going to want to talk to you. So. The unfortunate part of the story with the short films is that guy, good friend of mine, just never ended up taking advantage of those opportunities. And I think he's shooting wedding videos now. So, uh, but, but you know, once the door is open, it's, you have to deliver. So well, it opens a door. And I don't think it ever closes entirely. I think he could still pick up a phone and call some people, but, uh, his career hasn't been the, it hasn't been what he wanted it to be. But like you said, he needed to deliver and he did not. Mm -hmm. And what do you what do you think makes for a great script in the eyes of Academy voters? You know that's a that's a really interesting question too because I I've read a lot of the scripts of the best pictures that got nominated for the scripts. The scripts are completely different. Mm -hmm. They're because the movies are are edited. Uh, Toby's uh, wheelhouse, right? And uh, they the scripts read completely different. So I think people see the movies first and then read the scripts. And if they read the scripts, they give it. They give it, uh, you know, if they like the movie, they read the scripts. I don't think people yeah. sit down and read the scripts independently. Yeah. Although, am I wrong? It, can only writers uh, nominate in the writing category, just like actors in the acting okay. category? So, so maybe it is more yeah. being read. However, sure. you know, and we've we talked about this a couple of times in the last few episodes. If you're hearing some buzz about a movie and you are interested in screenwriting, try to get the script first. Yeah, it's a really interesting. Try, because because then you're not reading a transcript of the film you saw. You're reading the script that the film was made from. Mm -hmm. And you can you can. I, this year, I read more um, nominated screenplays than ever before, and I really got uh, like something really interesting from that process. So so in, in that respect, what I, uh, what's the Academy looking for? Uh, I don't know something they really hate because they can't do it. You know, like I don't know what it is. If if you have to pick yeah, out of a magic movie. out of people that do what you do, 
you have to pick somebody and go, they did a really good job. I mean, that's that's got to be difficult to admit. I, I just don't think scripts get read uh, as much as people anticipate. It's just – it's a shame, but uh, I don't think there's a quality – uh, uh, there's an assessment made on the quality of the actual written script. I, I remember when Goodwill Hunting mm-hmm. won the Academy Awards. I went looking for that script. Holy crap! It's one of the worst things I <laughs> yeah. ever read. Well, there's also that's one of the most. There's so many versions of that script that because right. so many people came in to put a polish on it. But right, I but saw, I read an earlier v- draft of it. So yeah. Yeah. I, I saw Joe Esterhouse uh, speak once, and uh, apart from Showgirls. Kids, ask your parents. But I like he that he used to be a huge screenwriter <laughs> right. uh, in the eighties. I mean, you know, jagged edge. Yeah, uh, he could write like a, a dirty limerick on the back of a receipt and sell it for a million for bucks, four million dollars. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, he said that he foresaw a day. He actually might have even said foresaw uh, where people would keep scripts on their shelves like fine mm-hmm. books, and oh. everybody just thought, okay, well, he's doing a lot of coke. Uh, <laughs> I thought that I'm not speaking on anybody else's behalf. But uh, but yeah, that was uh, you're, you're right that we don't look at scripts as literature, and and they're they, not meant they're to not be. meant to be right. But but they can be very very efficient recipes. Well, again, the the script is what sells the movie. Period. So the script has to be decent. Except I don't. I have no idea how good Will Hunting. Except well, it's what, yeah. you know. I mean, that's a lot of times that that's how I look at it. When I look at a script, I'm like, the, I can understand why this got sold or why this got made. And I felt that way a lot about uh, the scripts that we read this year, um, especially um, with. Uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on it? Um, sorry, guys. Um, Mudbound. No, uh, no, no, no. Three, uh, oh, three billboards. Three sorry. Please cut some of that. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> like, uh, no, especially with Three Billboards. I was like, wow, this is a phenomenal script. And I think that a lot of times when we, like, since I'm in Mark's class, um, you know, we, we read a lot of good scripts in class, but these are really, like, master class scripts. And so when we're reading it, it's kind of like, okay, this is what we're trying to do. It's mm. really difficult. This is the standard, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, oh, my God, am I ever going to be able to write like this? But, um, but, uh, and I do think that they were, there were a lot of good scripts this year, but they are a little a little bit more personal, which makes them for even more interesting reads. Well, too. And to Toby's point about which draft are you reading, there's been a trend in the last couple of years uh, where they're releasing the the actual Academy Award versions right, of the script. Yeah. Right. And so if you look under 2018, you can find a bunch of places where the scripts are are listed. And I recommend highly that you go out there. Yep. Uh, except the thing with – like I was thinking about Mudbound. Mudbound is bizarre. In It's a wonderful script, and I like the script better than I like the movie. And so I think we've talked about mm-hmm. this. Because so, so they, they, they alter the narrative structure a lot, right, a, lot, yeah. a lot, which is an interesting thing for that script that you can go and read. And, and the opposite of that, I would say, is Lady Bird. Lady Bird reads like it was written after the movie. Oh. And it doesn't quite have the same impact. I think it's a film that's better than the script. Three Billboards, Agree. I think, was a script that was better, better than, than a film. film. Agree. But it is interesting that, you know, one is a companion to the other. and, and Well, Greta Gerwig wrote wrote and directed, right? Yeah. So I, same I, with Martin McDonough. Yeah. He also wrote and directed. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. Yeah. I don't know. Talking to some of my friends, I know we're not getting into all the categories, but uh, – Editors that I've talked to said that I Tanya was a really well put together film, mm. and I don't know what that means. I think Baby Driver is going to take that because Sorry. it's a weird. Yeah, Baby Driver's got it's a great energy, but it's interesting because that really is a weird discipline. So it's hard mm-hmm. to judge it. You, there you well. mean yours? 
The one yeah. that you're doing, yeah, okay. Because yeah. it is just like, but but yeah, I've heard a lot of really good things about Italia as far as how it was put together. So maybe just if we could spend, we're running long, but I, just a real quick, who, when you're sitting behind the editing uh, uh, software, yeah. who's determining? Do you, you guys put together a rough cut first, right? And yeah, it, it it works differently with in almost every situation. There's a little nuance. It's a, you design a workflow, but um, normally uh, a editor and his staff are putting together a cut while filming is still taking place. Cause you're watching dailies and, and you're watching. And that's yeah. literally like a rough cut with, with, with very little attention to pace and time. And just really like, these are all the good takes you liked. Mm. These are all the good setups you liked. And, and those come through notes. And are you going by, you, uh, is that on the basis of the script? That's based on the notes. From uh, the director or from? Like, well, it depends who's taking those, those notes. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, when you're putting when you uh, films aren't shot sequentially, right. so you get you're getting a scene from the end and a scene from the beginning, yeah, and you're putting those in there according to what pattern, well, you know, and then and then when you get the scene that comes in the middle of those, you you move it and you put it in, so you you build it. But are you going by the script? In order, let, let's say there's five scenes and they're out of sequence. Right. How do you put those in? You got to go by the way the script is written. Oh, well, eventually, right? yeah, they go in script order. Oh, okay. But that's also in scene order. You get them as they come in. Scene order. Okay. But eventually, yeah, yeah. The, you, you try to lay it out in scene order. Well, that's script and, order. And okay. then you go depending... back and th- yeah, and think through like, well, actually, yeah. maybe this should fall here or there. Well, is that a usually that's when we already have figured out something's not working. <laughs> but then it's depending on the individual, depending on who the editor, who the director is, who the producers are. The editor usually works. With a director, mm-hmm. but some directors are on to the next thing, and so it's just on that editor. It depends on your relationship in that they're all very, very different. But usually last say is the producer, mm. uh, unless you've got a very powerful director mm. and they have final cut. Uh, but then, like, yeah. Like Woody Allen or Steven Spielberg yeah, or somebody like um, that. Christopher Nolan? Yeah, yeah in, Nolan. in those particular instances, yeah. But a lot of times, a lot of filmmakers like Soderbergh and, uh, and uh, James Cameron, they also – do a lot of their own editing uh, because they see that as part of you yeah, know it's, the it's part of the yeah. editorial editorial is part they, of the directing. They physically do their own editing. They will they will physically interesting. But, I mean, and they'll still have a staff of assistants because there's a lot more to it than right. just yes. Put no. this in there. Yeah, right. Right. But yeah, it, it, that's why it's a very it's a really weird soupy thing. Guys, uh, Mary Claire, you did a bang up job at the Academy Awards. You know, one thing I've noticed about you. When when you're passionate, you're all in. <laughs> there's no there's no it, you're like from zero to one hundred. Not passionate about anything <laughs> besides the Academy Awards. <laughs> oh my God, you're passionate and about Pixar, <laughs> about animated films, about uh, oh never mind about the rest <sighs> of the stuff. But um, I'd also like to uh, before we go. Well, thanks, Mary Claire. I think uh, I think you did a great job. So yeah, it was it was fun. And Toby, as always, you've been uh, really amazing. Um, with your commentary, um, so I uh, and the, the the fast facts you have at your disposal, seemingly from your computer like brain of ambiguous accuracy. So again, we're uh, we're at nine nineteen scripts. You can call and ask a question of the podcast or go to plotpoints.com. The other thing is, don't forget uh, March twenty first. We are at C three Vape. And coffee shop in Costa Mesa with Warren Lewis, uh, giving us a, his insights into the, uh, to what it's like to be a screenwriter. 
And on March 24th, we're at the Claim Jumper, which is a luncheon with Bob Engels, who was one of the original writers of um, Twin Peaks. That's a $25 charge because we also are getting a lunch. And um, also with Bob will be Josh Eisenstadt, who's done a couple independent films. His film Spreading Darkness was just released uh, not too long ago. So uh, for uh, Mary Claire and Toby, I want to thank you all for um, listening again to our podcast. Uh, we all really enjoy doing this, and we hope that you're enjoying um, what we're doing so that we can continue to do it. Thank you very much. Thank you.